you know, when we get a school grade card and it's spread across what, like eight subjects, ten subjects. If you got an A star in one subject and failed every other class, like you you'd be in front of the principal, you'd be suspended, you get a detention, your parents are getting called in. Do that in entrepreneurship, you're a billionaire. Right? <laughs> That's um, right. If school was designed to encourage entrepreneurship, that grade card would be spread across four or five different people who each go and take their two best subjects and then combine their grades together. So what school has done is it's taught us that asking questions and learning from other people is cheating. So if you were to, you know, if you're terrible at math and you're in an exam and you turn to your friend who's a genius and they say, hey, what did you get for number two? Like you're getting kicked out of school. You're definitely getting kicked out of that exam. (laughs) You know, even if you do that in class, you're getting detention. In business, that saves you millions of dollars, months of time. And it's just the best way to succeed is to say, hey, I'm really good at this bit, but I suck at this bit. Like maybe I can give you my answers as to what I'm doing well and you can give me yours. Or better still, maybe I could just do that bit for you and you could do this bit for me and we both move further forward. But school taught us that that's cheating. But that's not cheating. In business, that's innovation. Martians landed. Yes. Wearing Prada suits. Yes. Drinking Henry's seltzer. Yes. Chewing juicy fruit. Yes. And? Your branding here. Yes, brand. Your message here. Yes, and? A verse about. Yes. Your product here. Yes. I'm Hirsch Redman. Yes, and? I'm a message therapist. Yes. I have a podcast. Yes, Brand. That's right. That's it. Yes. We'll help you fix the world. Yes. Or your bottom line. All right. Your bottom line. Get it. I get it. Welcome, Welcome to, to the Yes Brand Podcast. Yes. With me today in this corner, weighing in an indeterminate amount of pounds or stone, is Philip. Pelucha, internationally renowned celebrity entrepreneur, business and sports consultant, best known for the brand Billionaires in Boxers, which we're going to get into today. Welcome to Yes Brand, Phil. Thanks for having me. It's fun. And I'm glad you didn't give away my weight. That would have been rather embarrassing. Well, I don't know your weight. (laughs) I would have gladly given it away and I would have been subjected myself to being weighed. But I think we're worth more than our weight. So. Uh, well, I hope so. I mean, uh, yeah, if I could have my weight in gold, that'd be quite good. But um. Yeah, <laughs> nice idea. Nice idea. I like the way that you say that you're known for taking brands from unknown to unrivaled. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's just such a great kind of healthy, competitive spirit about you. Mm-hmm. Where does that come from? So I'm an ex-professional athlete, so that's probably where it comes from. From a very, very young age, I've been very sporty, and you know, the, I often say that everything I've had and have achieved in business and that I teach in business has been I've learned from sport, resilience, the fact that you learn more from your losses than you do from your wins, the fact that if you don't rest, because rest is such an important component of success, you're going to burn out and get an injury. That you've got, you can't take life for granted because one bad injury and it could be game over. There's a lot of things that you can that you can learn from sport. In fact, I want my business consultancy, my sports consultancy, the other side of my business. We actually ask the question a lot, and I'm in the process of writing a book at the moment, which is: Is it better to teach business to sports or sports to business? Ooh. And it's been a fascinating question because I think what you get from sports is this hunger this serial winning attitude this what's next kind of thing like not sit back and rest on your laurels it's like great we won the super bowl what what next right 
let's win it again. Um, right. But from business, you learn innovation and budgeting and relationships and networking and all the great stuff that make you a successful entrepreneur. So I think combining those two is a real recipe for success. It also takes more than one skill or talent to succeed. You Very know, there are a lot so. of people out there with natural talent, mm -hmm. natural ability, but all these other things that they can't, they'll let's say they don't want to be bothered to learn mm -hmm. or just don't come easily to them and they don't make it or yeah. they, don't, they don't sustain, you know. So in my world, I talk about that being your superpower. So you've got to understand what your superpower is. And also the fact that it doesn't matter how good you are on the field. If you are not surrounded by players who are equally as good at their position as you are at yours, you are going to lose. You could be the best quarterback in the world, but if you're the only person playing, you're going to lose. Yeah. Right? Who are you passing to? You're going to get crushed. You're going to be in a wheelchair by the end of the game. You're going to be absolutely destroyed. Right? So business is, is like a team sport. You have to identify first what your superpower is and what it is that you're best at and then surround yourself with partners, employees, customers, mentors who are equally as good at their part, if not better on the field than you are. Yeah, you always have to. So tell me where the underdog champion of the world moniker came from. It was a gift, I suppose. So somebody was talking about my work. I, I'd won an award. We've been ranked number one in the world now for the past six years. And I think on the third occasion, just before COVID, actually, somebody, not saying that the two are connected. <laughs> I hope not. Right, um, but right, we got right. together for an award ceremony. And when somebody was bringing me on stage, they said, what's, what's interesting about Phil is that whilst the rest of these consultants are all trying to work with your, you know, your your blue chips and your Fortune 500 companies, Phil's not interested. Phil's Dave, teaching David how to slay Goliath. He's the underdog champion of the world, and that then got included in a write-up. And I actually thought I really like that title. That's a cool yeah. title. It sums up who I am. So I was like, you know what? I'm I'm taking that. Somebody somebody's yeah, gifted at me. I'm owning it. It's great because what it does is it relates to the challenger. Mm -hmm. You know, I work with a lot of challenger brands, what I call them. They're not the market leader. They're doing mm -hmm. okay, but they need to get to another level. Mm -hmm. and, and I relate to that. And that's how I've always felt. I never have felt, excuse me, even after conquering a certain feat or level or whatever I was trying to do, I never felt, oh, I'm at the top dog. Yeah, I'm, num I'm number one. You know, I always feel like we're, there really isn't a number one. No, you know, it doesn't if you're, exist. If, if, yeah, if you're if you're doing it right, then you're striving. Correct. And if you're not if you're competing against yourself, that's probably the best thing, in which case you haven't won, right? Well, so a couple of things to say about that because I think you've just hit on a really sweet point there. So, yeah. when I talk about professional athletes and and incredibly talented sports players and even managers, they yeah. do get to the top of their industry and they are now competing, but they're competing against themselves. So they're competing against yesterday's version of them. And that mm. constantly drives you forward for success. So, you know, someone said this to me the other day. They said, how does it feel to be ranked number one in the world for what you do? And my answer was, we were ranked number one in the world last year. Today's still up for debate. Like, we, no. you know, we still have to work for it every single day today to get to where we need to be. And you know, if I did the same as we did last year, I would consider that a massive failure because every day we should be improving. We should be moving forward. So I think you're right. I think at some point you, you recognize that the best version and the most healthiest version of competition is with yourself. Yeah, it's definitely the healthiest. I mean, people, I look at things, I'm trying to look at things in terms of grades of happiness, mm -hmm. you know, for better or worse, this pandemic left us with a kind of a, 
bellwether that's out of whack, right? Mm -hmm. So we don't know. It got dented. Something happened. It's yep. like you wake up and something happened. Like it's not quite. It's like it's not quite working. Yep. And we're like trying to figure out where what values we want to embrace. Okay. So yeah, we can either keep running and chasing stuff, or mm -hmm. we can say, oh, I you know material things or stature. Or we can say, okay, I'm just going to chase happiness and I'm going to open myself to the different forms in which it might come. Mm. And for me anyway, like I would like to see Yes Brand, which is essentially, you know, branding. Mm -hmm. But I would like to see people, you know, take on this idea of the yes and rule, you yeah. know, which is the rule of improv. The idea that we're building on things and not breaking them down. Correct. You know, there's nothing that you're going to say, Phil, that I would say no. Yeah, you know, sure. Like I might say, what if it were this or I personally want to do this? Yeah, but I would I'm never sure tell you. somebody no to their to their position, mm. you know. And I like that idea because I think that what that leads to is more of the standing on the shoulders of giants and looking at how you can learn and be motivated by other people. Whereas I don't feel like there's a lot of that. I feel like there's a lot of reinventing the wheel in business. You know, people like, and I, and I, forgive me, but I blame the education system for that. The education system was not designed for entrepreneurs. It was designed for thinkers and work, for, for doers and workers, right? right? Not for those who are going to be creative and design things. And a couple of great examples of that are, you know, when we get a school grade card and it's spread across what, like eight subjects, 10 subjects. If you got an A star in one subject and failed every other class, like you're, you'd be in front of the principal, you'd be suspended, you get a detention, your parents are getting called in. Do that in entrepreneurship, you're a billionaire, right? <laughs> That's um, right. If school was designed to encourage entrepreneurship, that grade card would be spread across four or five different people who each go and take their two best subjects and then combine their grades together. So what school has done is it's taught us that asking questions and learning from other people is cheating. So if you were to, you know, if you're terrible at math and you're in an exam and you turn to your friend who's a genius and they say, hey, what did you get for number two? Like you're getting kicked out of school. You're definitely getting kicked out of that exam. <laughs> you know, even if you do that in class, you're getting detention in business. That saves you millions of dollars, months of time. And it's right. just the best way to succeed is to say, hey, I'm really good at this bit, but I suck at this bit. Like maybe I can give you my answers as to what I'm doing well and you can give me yours or better still. Maybe we, I could just do that bit for you and you could do this bit for me and we both move further forward. But school right. taught us that that's cheating. But that's not cheating. In business, that's innovation. And frankly, it's ingenious. It's collaborating. Correct. You know, I, that's how I felt. I always felt in school like I wanted to tell the teacher math was not my thing. Yeah. You know, math was not my thing. And, you know, I would be better, invariably better at language arts than, than at science or math. Mm -hmm. And there were people who would would excel at science or math and not and not do as well. And then there were people who would excel at everything, and though they can go fuck themselves because that's that's really not fair. Well, uh, you, you just say excel that at everything, but I find that those people often fail at business because then they try and wear every hat, and you can't wear every hat in business. Oh, you that's come, a good you, point. You come unstuck. So those people that were really good at things in school, if they try to become the entrepreneur, they always burn out around small business size because right. they're used to doing everything themselves, and it's not possible. Like I said earlier, business is a team sport. Like you, so, think about that person as they were great as the running back and the quarterback, and the, they were left tackle they were everything they were the kicker they were every role that you put them in that role they could do it 
that doesn't mean they can play the whole team by themselves. It's not possible. Yeah. And what role do you see as your central role in your organization? Ooh, nice question. So I'll give you a sports analogy and I'll give you a business oh, analogy. Oh, I can't believe it. So, I can't I know, believe you're going to give me a sports right? analogy. So okay, I, I was the winger. So in football, soccer for you, I was always the winger. So I can score some goals, but actually my best job is taking the ball, running down the wing, and providing opportunities for other people to score. And in a way, that's very much what we do within our business. So I am the stage and the spotlight. I am the person who takes you from unknown to unrivaled because right now you are your industry's best-kept secret and nobody knows that you exist. So the formula that I use is that visibility plus credibility equals profitability. So if you're not as profitable as you want, it's always because visibility or credibility is lacking. And here's what it looks like. If you're visible but not credible, you're the person that does all the keynote speeches, you're always on TV, but you only make money while you're on TV. Then your brand dies off and people forget all about you again, right? Then there's the what the other one is, which is what most people are, which is that they have credibility, they have no visibility. And that looks like this. Clients who love you, repeat business, referred business, nobody's looking for you. You are not the name that comes to mind in your industry when people need your services. That's a visibility issue. So the thing that I realized that was my superpower was I'm very good at helping other people to identify theirs, and I'm very good at giving them the stage, the spotlight, and filling the auditorium for them. What they say when they get up there, that's up to them. How do you do that? How do you fill an auditorium for someone that is a best-kept secret? Yeah, it's a great question. I think it's leverage credibility is the honest answer. So if we take our broadcast network, for example, so we reach... The network that we own exclusively, we reach 40 million homes across Europe and Africa on satellite television. We then have another 26 million homes in partnerships across global satellite television networks. Then we've got a top 5% podcast that reaches a million downloads plus each month, plus the streaming channels, plus three global radio stations that air our content. So what we're doing is leverage credibility in numbers. So if you will, and hopefully this doesn't come across as arrogant because it's really not supposed to, I knew that I was always really good at drawing that crowd. Right? I could capture that attention. I could get that network. And it was only a few years ago when one of my mentors said to me, you know that that's not normal, right? Most people mm-hmm. can't do that. And I'm like, okay, that's well, I appreciate that. And he said, now the thing is you have a responsibility to use that to highlight your customers. Yeah. So if I fill the auditorium because it's like, look at the content, look at the people, look at the connections, look at the sports brands we've worked with, look at what we've achieved in business. Well, now it's my obligation to put on a show that's me on stage for five minutes introducing and bigging up my clients who are currently unknown so that the audience here gets introduced them. Because I firmly believe that if they knew they existed, they'd want to do more business with them. That's perfect. That's really well said. And the truth is that you are identifying the right players in the right positions. Correct. You know, and I, and I think and that's, and I don't mean that lightly because I think that's hard to do. Yeah. I struggled with that a lot in my own career because if you could, if you're good in front of the camera or, or behind the microphone, or, but let's say you don't have any, you don't have the, the information that the audience needs, you know, then what is it? If you have Correct. the information and you haven't, acquired the skills to perform then you can't deliver the information but you might be great at delivering it if you if someone only taught you how taught you how You're you're so right i mean we've all heard the saying it's not what you know it's who you know right yeah and in a very similar vein to what you were just saying there one of the things that i say is that that's that phrase is not true 
It's combining what you know with who you know. Because if you know something but you don't know the right people, you are your industry's best kept secret. But if you know right. the right people but you don't know anything, you are a massive wasted opportunity. Right. So it's combining the two together. And I think my superpower, and often the superpower is the thing that we can't teach, right? Superman can't tell you why he flies. Spider-Man can't tell you how he climbs a wall. Like, it, it, it's it's just that thing that you are inherently good at. It's also often the thing that we put down and say, oh, anyone can do that. You know, we try and dis disempower it and say, oh, you know, yeah. well, that's just that thing I do. Well, my thing is being able to spot future industry leaders. My thing is being able to spot the diamond in the rough and saying they've got something but nobody knows that they exist. If I put them on the stage, they're going to shine. They're not going to crumble. And that's where I then start to combine the what you know with the who you know. I'm fascinated by the whole process mm -hmm. because I see it as like a blooming process mm. and a, a real like fulfillment process, which is really, really valuable for everybody. Yeah. Everybody, in the, everybody so right. in the picture. So, okay. So give me an example of, of somebody you worked with mm -hmm. who who was a diamond in the rough and you've kind of, you know, honed that and shaped that. Well, it sounds like a strange thing to say, but you know, there's a guy, in fact, I think it's how we met. We met on a, on podcast, sorry, on podmatch.com, right? Yeah. Podmatch is owned by a guy called Alex Sanfilippo, who has yeah. now gone from doing work with me directly to now being a partner of mine. You know, he had this concept of, I want to bring podcasters together. Everyone else was going through this, you know, quantity rather than quality kind of mindset and he wanted to stick to that he's also very philanthropic you might not know this about him he runs a number of soccer leagues that are based around philanthropy wow and he's an awesome example because he is somebody and the reason i'm using him as an example is because if we look at the trajectory of where he started to where he is now he is going to be that big person in the industry he's going to be yeah. the person that when your audience are listening to this in 6 12 18 months time he's going to be the person that you look at and go, okay, wow, that's pretty cool. There's also a number of clients that we've worked with that honestly, nobody had ever heard of these people ever before. And now they're crushing Ted talks and they're, you know, they, they are the person in their industry. But here we, here's the thing about the Ted talks and the interviews and all that kind of stuff. It's the perception. How do I word this perception beats perfection, right? It's more yeah. important how people see you than how you actually are. Right. I heard somebody put it in a really nice way the other day, which is it's more important to be best known than be the best. <laughs> and I thought that's a yeah. really interesting way of putting it. Now, don't get me wrong. You've got to be able to back it up. You've got to be able to do the work. You've got to be able to elevate it. But how many people strive for perfection before they put themselves out there? Oh, I won't write that book yet because I'm not quite ready. Oh, I won't do yeah. that talk yet. I won't. And here's the thing. And I'm sure you know the same thing with the work that you do. I've never been in a keynote speaker's room with anybody that didn't have the exact same thoughts that those people are having right now, right? Yeah. The people going, they're going to find out I'm an imposter any yeah, minute, imposter. that I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. This is going to go really badly. They feel really intimidated by the other people who are in the room. It's like, oh, it's that guy and it's her. And oh my, I can't believe I'm in here. Every single one of them feels the same. And if they don't, they're a psychopath, right? Every single person in that room feels the same. And then... The only difference between the people that are at the top of their industry and the people who are languishing at the bottom completely unknown is that one invited themselves and the other let fear stop them. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. It's one thing to be invited. It's another thing to invite yourself. You have, to, you have to invite yourself, Hirsch, honestly. That, that's the thing that I think most people don't understand here is that 
there are only you know when you watch like Oprah or anything or you watch TED Talks and you yeah. think how did that person get that talk how did they get that interview let me give you the answer I'm, I'm literally ruining the industry right now there are only two ways they got there they paid someone a lot of money to introduce them who already knew them i.e. a celebrity publicist or whoever or they strategically network their way there and invited themselves mm-hmm. if you are not putting time and effort and money into those two things don't expect to get the invite Nobody's going to knock on your door and discover you. That's not how that works. It it just yeah. isn't. I mean, if you've ever worked with a television producer or an editor of a newspaper or a magazine, you know how many stories and people they get pitched on a daily basis. You think they're going to bypass all of those people and just go scouring LinkedIn looking for someone that they've never heard of before and come and invite you? It's not going to yeah. happen. You have to invite yourself. And that's the first step that I think a lot of people, once they realize that and they realize that they have the ability and the power to do that, now the rules of the games have changed. Now we can have some fun. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. Hey, I was just with Alex in Orlando at, at oh, PodFest. Oh, great. Yeah, I saw the pictures. Yeah. yeah, and there's an aura around him now Yeah, where, you know, people who have not known him, I haven't known him that long. Mm-hmm. You know, it can't be more than eight months or nine months. Yeah. But I, but I think even during that time, I've seen this kind of enormous eruption around yeah. him. And it's great. It's yeah. deserved and it's appropriate. Mm. But for sure, it's like, you know, there are a lot of people that I have met in the podcasting world and in the business world who have invited themselves to their own Correct. party. You know what I mean? You have to because look, having a yeah. good idea is like Alex came up with a great idea for the platform. You know, he's got his pod pros, yeah. he's got pod match, he's got loads of stuff going on. The, the question that you want to ask back to him is so what? So what? you got a great concept. Loads of people have a great concept. How is yours going to be the one that stands out? Why is yours going to be the one that's full of quality? Why is yours going to be the one that has a Podmatch Elite mastermind attached to it where people pay thousands of dollars just to come and hang out in a room with you? Why, why would that be the case? Well, yeah. it's because of the way that you position yourself. Because frankly, nobody will ever... You know, I say this about entrepreneurship all the time. Nobody is ever going to be crazy enough to pay you as much as you pay yourself. Yeah. Never, right? No one's going to pay me as much as I pay myself. I mean, I work two and a half days a week and make millions of dollars. There's no way anyone's going to give me that job. It doesn't exist, right? Yeah. Believe me, I looked for it. It doesn't exist, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? So the same can be said of credibility and in inviting yourself. Nobody is going to care as much about your health as you do. Nobody's going to care as much about your wealth as you do. Nobody is going to care as much about your success as you do. So if you're not inviting yourself and you're not positioning yourself and you're not trying to get yourself to stand out, how the hell do you think it's ever going to happen? Yeah. Well, tell me a little more about your story and how mm. it happened for you. Mm. Great question. So not the best start. I grew up in a single parent family, lots of poverty, but also lots of abuse. So I was in and out of the social care system, drugged from a very young age, lots of violence, just wasn't a nice situation. Kicked out of school at 14. I was homeless around the same time. Football literally saved my life. So if I hadn't have got that scholarship that came with an accommodation bursary, who knows what would have happened. I then played professionally for a number of years and then got medically retired in my early 20s and basically had a a mini breakdown because I had no idea what I was anymore. You know, I'd finally gone from being this nobody kid in, in care and going through a lot of abuse to being Phil the footballer. Uh, and I wasn't anymore. So somebody stole my yeah. identity and I tried going into coaching and I hated it. <laughs> I mean, it was, I, I often describe it as being like a recovering alcoholic trying to manage a bar. 
Yeah. You know, I wanted to be on the field, not on the side of the field, teaching people how to be on the field. This was tough. Like, this was torture. So I had to separate myself in the game and go away. And I went and did a number of degrees and I, I worked for some of the largest real estate brands in the world and got to board level and suddenly kind of made a decision. My wife got pregnant. My mom, who was a lot older at that point, developed stage four cancer. She was in the UK and I was living in South Africa at the time. And my younger sisters essentially rang me and said, you need to come home and help. Um, So I came back, pregnant wife, and decided that there was no point taking a corporate job anymore. I was going to set up my own business. Brilliant timing, right? Dying mother, pregnant wife, new country. Let's start a business. That sounds like the most logical thing to do. Yeah. So... Anyway, so went and started the business. Didn't have a great deal of success when I first started. I was a classic example of my industry's best kept secret. Nobody knew that I existed. And I thought the fact that I'd worked for these big brands would really help me. It didn't. It re- like nobody cared, right? And even the clients that I wanted to work with who I'd previously worked with, as in like as an employee, they wouldn't work with me because they have terms of business that say you've got to be in business for two years before they'll engage with you as an agency. So I was screwed, right? I didn't know what I was yeah. doing. I was probably about six weeks away from going back and getting a quote-unquote real job. And one night, I woke up in the middle of the night, and I was thinking about my sports podcast, because I'd previously sold a sports podcast. I've actually now sold two, but that's a story for another day. And I remember thinking that the, the power of the podcast wasn't in the content. The power of the podcast was in networking. It was in my ability to meet with whoever the hell I wanted to meet with and learn with them. Like, if I wanted to meet a professional player... Well, I contact their agent, I contact the club, and they go, well, why? Because I want to meet them. It's like, yeah, all right, good luck. They leave you alone. But if I contact that person and bring them onto a podcast to talk about their career or their philanthropic interest, now they'll talk to me, right? Right. And I suddenly realized that the power of podcasting wasn't the content. The power of podcasting was in having this VIP networking tool to meet with whoever the hell I wanted to meet with. So the very next morning, I woke up and I made a list of the top 100 clients that I wanted to work with, and I invited each of their CEOs onto a podcast to talk to me about their career and tell me what they're working on in their business right now and give them some free publicity. Right. Fast forward three months, I've now got a team of 20-plus people working for me worldwide. We've bitten off way more than we can chew. Business is just growing exponentially, and it's been awesome. And I've basically made every mistake possible along the way since then. I sold two businesses. I lost a massive amount of money on one business. I've essentially tried to learn this formula. So if I knew one step through five and then step six, I make a mistake and I collapse again. I start another business, go right back to step five because I know the blueprint, then make a different decision at step six. Now, Mm -hmm. next time I get to step 11 and it all implodes again. And then I go, right, I know how to get back to 11. When I get to 12, I'm going to make a different decision this time. And that's how I've learned. Or find a business that only has three decisions. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're not wrong. <laughs> and then, or five. And you're like, oh, I'm going to get a one to five business. Yeah. And then I can keep replicating it because I can always get to level five. It's like I can crush this. Um, Absolutely. So so for me, that was really it. And then what started to happen was, you know, podcasting started to become more and more prevalent. Can I can I swear? Can I curse? Yes. Can I get, okay, yes, cool. you may. Right, I want to check. So I have a phrase, which is every knobhead has a podcast. Because when I first started... Half the questions were like, what's a podcast? Now everyone's got a podcast. So it's no well, longer that thing that makes me special, you know? Well, those people listening to my show are like, what's a knobhead? Oh, because- okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what it is. But- <laughs> we, we, we could go with So dickhead, knobhead. Every dickhead. Every, every putz, dickhead has a podcast. Every, every putz, every schmuck. 
<laughs> Everyone has a podcast. Like you're, has you're, a podcast. And it's ridiculous. So back then it used to make you stand out. Now it doesn't. Yeah. So no. then it became, well, what's next? And it's like, well, actually, radio is still more beneficial and still more respected than, than, than podcasting. At least it right. was then. And it was like, so if I can get on a national or international radio station, that's more powerful than just having the podcast. Right. So then we started to do that. But then streaming channels came out. So now everyone's got a streaming channel. And it's like, God, to keep moving the fucking goalpost. <laughs> so now it was like, now I need TV, right? Satellite TV, because that still trumps the streaming channel. And yeah. it's still, so that's the way I'm going to go. And that's essentially how we continue to build our network, was it was just constant leveling up. It was just, what's that thing that makes us special? How, what do we now need to have to have the VIP tool to talk with who we need to talk to? And the cool thing about this is it doesn't just work for, for sales, right? It's great for sales, but it doesn't just work for sales, which is why I'm reluctant to call it a lead generation tool. Because it's a spotlight, and whatever you shine that spotlight on becomes illuminated. So if you want investors and you're inviting potential investors onto a show and getting to know them, you're more likely to get the investment. If eight to nine months before an exhibition takes place, you're inviting on the event organizer to help them get sponsorship and sell tickets, and then you say to them, hey, I'd love to get involved in what you're doing, you're far more likely to be offered a keynote speaking gig or a workshop or VIP tickets to that particular event. If you want more clients, everybody's messaging clients saying, hey, do you want to have a virtual coffee? Do you want to read my free ebook? Do you want to do my shit course? Like they're all saying the same stuff. So if everybody else is going right, you've got to go left. So if everybody else is take, 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 you've got to use law of reciprocity and give, give, get. Hirsch, love what I'm seeing about your business, brother. Listen, I've got this idea. I have a satellite television network that reaches 40 million homes, top 5% podcasts with a million downloads each month, plus some streaming channels and radio stations. I do not charge my interviews, and I like to elevate future industry leaders, and that's what I see in you, brother. Would you like to join me for an interview? Right, yes, of course. Well, yes, of course. Okay, look, Hirsch, let me just be completely transparent with you. I don't charge for the interview. It is not a prerequisite for you to become a customer, but a lot of people that come on the show do become clients because they see that I am the guy that can get them to that top spot in their industry. If you're cool with that and we'll just kind of have an idea and bounce around some ideas, make some introductions for each other, let's get something booked in. Yeah, that's great. Look at that as a lead generation tool rather than, hey, Hirsch, you want to have a virtual coffee? Hey, Hirsch, you want to do my shit course? You want to read my book that even my mom didn't read? Like, (laughs) it's nonsense. So... It's always been about how do you get that VIP networking tool? And what, what's above satellite TV? Well, other than more satellite TV customers, movies, right? So at one point, we'll end up in movies. I'm convinced of it. We were mentioned yeah. in movies because that has to be the next level. When Suddenly, everyone's going to have a satellite TV show, and that's where we're going to have to go to next. Yeah. And then who knows where from there? Well, yeah, I, I, and there's no – I mean, look, the whole idea of branded entertainment is – to me is always very silly in the sense that entertainment's always been branded. Somebody has to pay for it. So, you know, what did they do in the 50s in the golden age of television? A girl would dress up like a cigarette box and dance across the screen or the host would be smoking and and start selling Lucky Strike. It's like that's that was branded entertainment in 1953. So So it's like, you know, what are we talking about? Every it's a question of who's paying Mm -hmm. for it and who's selling Mm -hmm. it and providing it. And it's really that dynamic. In other words, is a studio getting funded from somewhere Mm -hmm. else and then a studio solicits the best ideas and then, you know, develops them with. uh, So is it a top down Mm -hmm. thing or is the or are the creators like us, you know, on the bottom Mm -hmm. and then building everything up to where the 
brand sees the value I think, and then wants to take it up and you know over i think the, the cool part about what you just said there is that we get to choose our hierarchy so there are people who are create content creators and they're creating content and they're not leveraging it. it's doing nothing for their business Hush, i can't tell you the number of podcasts i've spoken to and they're like i'm 30 episodes in and i've never made a bean from my podcast and i'm like then you're yeah. doing it wrong and they're like, should I charge guests to come on? And I'm like, no, that's like the worst model in the world. And it's like, well, maybe I should get advertising sponsors. And it's like, yeah, maybe. I mean, but like, how much money is that going to put in your back pocket? Like, why don't you monetize and leverage the relationships? Podcasting and content creation for me is about learning and about earning. I'm always doing one of those two things. So I'm either earning yeah. directly or indirectly from the conversation, or I'm learning something that helps me to elevate and grow. Always, every single time without fail. I even have this method that I use called the four P's, which is purchasers, partners, promoters, and platforms. So purchase is pretty obvious, they're customers. Partners is people who partner with you and introduce you to more customers. In my world, we call these NCPs, non-competitive partnerships. So who works with the same target audience that you do, but delivers a different service or product. Third is a promoter. As in, who's a super fan that can introduce you to more of the first two, but really isn't one of the first two? And the fourth one is platforms. Television, podcast, radio, stage, whatever. Whatever it's going to be for you. But what's the stage and platform that introduces you to more of the first three? Because if somebody isn't one of those four Ps, why are we talking to them? Yeah. And that's where a lot of people fall down is they're like, oh, I own 50 episodes and I've never made any money. And you go, great. Out of those 50 potential guests, how many of them were one of the four Ps? And they come back and go... Four. Exactly right. That's why you've not made any money then. Yeah. I do think that sometimes it, it can be challenging to figure out which and obviously, you know, which role. But you've narrowed it down. Mm -hmm. I mean, at this point, you, it's a criteria. Yeah. The criteria isn't. And what I love about about the four P's is that the criteria isn't, you know, do they have a book? Mm -hmm. The criteria isn't, you know, are do they have their own podcast mm -hmm. or do? It's not as specific as that. No. It's a very clearly defined set of of rows. Yep. And do they fit in one or more of these of these Correct. rows? It's a it's do a they, formula, they, isn't it? I mean, and that's yeah. what I like is it's yeah. not a this is not an off the shelf one size fits all. Like if I said they must be an author, well, is that relevant for everybody? Like not really. In fact, not at all. Whereas the four P's are relevant for everybody because that's going to be a different person that falls into each one of those rows for your business and for my business and for somebody else's business. But it's the same formula that applies. And, you know, very, very good friend of mine and mentor says successful people repeat successful actions. And that formula has had nothing but success. So take it and repeat it. Yeah. Don't try to be a genius where you're where you're, you're not. not, Yeah, you know, or where it's not needed. Correct. Stand on the shoulders of giants. You don't want to be, yeah. Don't don't be a genius walking around walking around a wilderness yeah. <laughs> where they don't need genius. What, what I want you to do Go, is improve and you innovate. Know? You know, take what take what's yeah. working and make it better. Take what's working and evolve it and adapt it. Don't look at something and go, "That's a good idea." I wonder if I can design my own system. That makes no sense, yeah. right? Just take what's already working and then apply your own personal stance on it. That is how you generate success because now you're yeah. starting, you know, at step, you know, as we were talking about earlier, you're now starting at step 11 and 12 because 1 through 12 is right. already built for you. Don't start at number 1. That's foolish. Great. Yeah. That's that is the notion of yes brand mm -hmm. in the global sense. Philip You've been very generous with your time. I really appreciate it. I would love it if you could, you know, have the last mm. word and 
Uh, just bestow any thought you want on the audience. Any It can be across the spectrum. Mm -hmm. It's your moment, but I don't want to leave anything unsaid that you'd like to say, so I'm thank giving you. you the floor. No, I appreciate that very much. Well, thank you for having me. It's been a real pleasure. I hope the audience have enjoyed this. You know what? I would just implore anybody who's listening to this to stop waiting to be discovered. You have to invite yourself. And whether you figure out a way of doing that yourself, whether you employ somebody like me, whether you find somebody else who resonates with you, like I'm not fussy about who you do this with. It's more important than you do it than you do it with me. Right? I just want you to find out how you invite yourself because if you feel like your industry's best kept secret, that if more people knew that you existed, they would want to do business with you, then you owe it to yourself and you owe it to your market to invite yourself. If you liked the show, yes, and it worked for you, yes, then. subscribe and leave a yes, five-star review, yes, tell all your friends, yes, get your branding here, yes, get your branding here, yes, did I make it clear, yes, get your branding on, yes, before they're gone, yes.